Hi, I'm Caroline Carey, and you know, I'm always inspired by other people's life stories. So I listen for the soul journey that is interwoven between each individual's experiences throughout their life. Join me to hear for yourself how each narrative becomes a transformative and inspiring message for us all. Enjoy the podcasts. first business was called Alchemy in Movement. What is an alchemist? I've also used alternative means of health and healing, medicines, um, herbal preparations. So it didn't surprise me that I would be quite fascinated with what Charlotte Pulver uh, provides for her communities. And what interested me further was that Charlotte's heritage is in alchemy, in alchemists. Her her family name takes us back to the original alchemists who ran chemists and uh, created the herbal preparations we might know today. So um, it was a delight to be in conversation with Charlotte and to hear her story about it and what's most important to her these days. What is her sole purpose? So when I think of you, Charlotte, I think of medicinal oils and herbs and plants, and I, but I mostly think about water and springs and the origins of where they begin and things like that. So tell me, what would you, what do you think about what's, what, who is Charlotte Pulver? (laughs) Helping people um, connect to their own innate guardianship, really. What does that mean? The guardianship of our waters, especially. And um, and in that in that reconnection with um, guardianship with lands and place and and waters, um, it innately um, helps reconnect our threads of connection with ourselves, our ancestors and a place and essentially help um, with a sense of belonging which I feel is uh, a cool uh, wound in our Western culture. So yeah, I, I see myself as a catalyst of, of reconnection and, um, and it can happen in a really simple way. And um, the way in which I work with people is actually, I use ancient um, maps, would we, should, should I say? Like ancient maps from the system I work with is alchemy. And alchemy at one time was very prolific and very rooted in the British Isles. And so I work with these very ancient maps, but they're really simple and um, help um, wake up the technology which we're innately born with to, to listen to the plants. Where do these maps come from? Where do you find them? Um, so, um, so alchemy essentially is study of consciousness of how consciousness embodies into matter and how it leaves leaves matter back into consciousness and so you, you we could say that alchemy is a system of that and it was very prolific in 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 the british Isles from 700 onwards it, we have document do, documents of it thanks to the christian scribes who are recording all about it but prior to that it was very you know still very awakened in these aisles but just not documented it was very much a, an oral tradition and we can see that in some of the um old mythological stories there's certain things that oh when i read them i'm like okay you know that's what they're exploring um so it was very um it's very prolific in the british isles and um obviously one of the other major birthplaces of it is Egypt because within the word alchemy we have one of the indigenous names for Egypt in it which is Kem um, which is one of the old names for Egypt but so so just going back to its birthplaces it's like 
England major place, various places in Europe, Egypt, of course, India, China, Tibet, Japan. And um, they all work with these maps of consciousness and they're all the same. They, everyone agrees on the same thing because it's all, it's all very scientific. It's all very scientific. It's like alchemy is the merging of science and spirituality and art all together. So when I say about maps of consciousness, what I mean is, and, 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 and that they're all the same is like, when we talk about the universal elements of creation, like air, fire, water, and earth, and, you know, and ether as well. Um, everyone agrees in what the lightest element is and what the heaviest element is because it's it's actually all very scientific of like, like understanding matter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what does that do for us today, living in this world, this rather fractured uh, culture that we're living upon, our disconnection to nature? to understanding that the spirituality of, of our environments. What do you hope to bring to people with this? Because it's hard to understand, isn't it? The whole alchemy scientific thing around it. It's, the thing is, what it is, it's my main love at the moment is really just with teaching, teaching people the foundations to what alchemy is and how they can utilize that in their lives. And it's, it's um it's actually really simple but it's been um coded for so long and like coded in language because it was abused and used um in ways which you know for con you know control for those who were in power you know and that's why it got very coded but when you when when you break it down it's it's, it's very very simple and very beautiful so Alchemy is um, obviously a, a spiritual understanding of consciousness, but it's also a system of medicine. And the cultures which still um, are very expressing the medical system of alchemy is Tibetan medicine and Ayurveda. They're totally rooted in, in alchemy. So when people come to the workshops that I host, they're really from, you know, medicine making um, days, but I teach people um, skills which are not just for, should we say, making incredibly vital medicines. They can, it can um, drastically um, transform your life of how you connect to yourself, all of nature and everything around you. So in alchemy, the, the most, should we say the most important um, technique we have, like the heart of alchemy is knowing how to connect to the consciousness of nature and to plants. And with, if you don't do that, then there's no point in, in my opinion, making your medicines if you're not connecting to that in which you're making medicines from your ingredients. So once you know how to connect to the consciousness of plants, you can take it anywhere. You can take it to the trees, the waters, the rocks, you know, the rivers, um, to the mountains, anything. And it is very, very simple. Um, when, once you learn how to do it and when you, when you start to do it, you start to go actually through a rewiring process of, um, becoming more embodied, um, in yourself and ultimately in your soul. So you can have these soul to soul conversations with everything around you. And it's really like in your body, it's not about going up and out. It's very, very embodied. So you're talking about a connection to nature that is something that's been lost, but for some people are starting to reclaim and making medicine is a, a big part of that. Making a, I used to work as a herbalist. I used to make ointments and creams and all sorts of things. When my children were little, I'd make our own um, calendula um, lotions and um, and uh, what else did I make? Comfrey ointment, you know, for their bumps and bruises and things like that. And it was, um, I, I loved doing that kind of thing and, and growing the plants, picking the leaves and, you know, turning these little, little oils and things into little pots and and, and then my, my children were 
you know, they were curious. So they'd be putting their fingers into the pots and things when I was trying to make them and stuff. And it all got a bit dangerous and a bit, <laughs> a bit difficult. And I, I stopped doing it. But I, you know, what, how, talk to me about how somebody, a layman, just somebody who just thinks, oh, I, I would really like to return to more natural ways. How can they begin for themselves? Um, so for me, it's, it's basically going on a curious adventure. Nice. And, um, and opening up your senses. So in, in starting to have those conversations with the world around you, so you might like to first of all choose a local tree that you um, like to visit on a regular basis. Maybe it's a hawthorn, maybe it's an oak and get to know it in a way of using your senses. Um, and, and so what I mean about using your senses, using your five senses, your ears, your eyes, your nose, taste and touch, mm -hmm. and um, giving yourself the permission one by one to, to use your senses, to really like listen to the tree or look at the tree or smell the tree or taste the tree. And one by one using the question of um, what is your medicine? And in that moment of asking that question, and it, for example, maybe you, you're, you're taking the time just to really be with your listening, like really listen to the tree and asking the tree, what is your medicine? Just to give yourself a full permission slip, just not to edit what information comes in what you receive in your body, mm. whether that's um, direct sensations in your body, whether that's direct information coming through, whether that's visuals, whatever it is, allow yourself just to feel it. And to take the time to do that with each sense at a time. And what happens is when you start to do that with your five senses, emerging between your consciousness and the tree's consciousness takes place. And you get to know that being on such an intimate level. And then after you've done that with your senses, you can ask, how may I assist you to the tree and see what comes back? Mm. And it, it's a way, it's a way of um, giving yourself a full permission slip to drop down into a deeper level in, of intelligence, which is in the body. It's not in the head of like, oh, the tree does this, the tree does that, you know, the tree can help me with this. It's just like, let your body's wisdom which in actual, actually, when you study like neurobiology is what they call the mammalian brain, the ancestral brain. So allow that deeper wisdom to come through because innately, we all know the medicines of the plants from so deep in our bodies. And when I do this practice with people, like 99% of it is completely correct, the information which comes back. So I often say to people, experience first, and then read it later. Mm, mm, nice, that's a beautiful way of connecting, isn't it? Yeah, experience first, then read later. And um, the thing is in our culture, we think to know something, we have to read it, or we have to be told by someone. Mm. And that's a, a totally different level of wisdom. And it's only this amount of wisdom, a teeny weeny part of it. And we're missing out on this deeper ancestral wisdom, which is in the body. Yes. And of, from a feeling place. And so like, I, I use this very simple practice um, to, um, to open up people to that they do know. And it's just this level of um, knowing is just not encouraged because it's from mm -hmm. a different, um, it's from a body wisdom, it's very embodied. So when you do that very simple practice of just go off on a curious adventure, ask these questions with each sense, what one at a time, so simple, but actually starts to do a beautiful re rewiring um, of, of getting more deeper into um, a different part of the brain actually, which is not that activated, which is the mid cortex. Um, which is more the feeling, feeling body, the ancestral brain, they call it actually. It's from a deeper knowing of, 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 of a wisdom, um, which um, 
as a culture we need to um, reclaim and uh, feel confident in which is the body's wisdom mm, absolutely oh, lovely so when did you first begin to work in this way or just to understand life in this way with with plants or in this oh, way in, in 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 general i suppose did you grow up with a connection to nature but as a child as a adolescent what was your yeah sure beginning so, yeah the beginning um it wasn't in this country it was i was born in the us okay. i was born in miami florida okay. and i moved here um, when i was nine but being in the tropics as a child and especially in those lands um yeah it was very um extremely nourishing informative and florida in itself is a place which has the most amount of springs in it in the world yeah it's uh -huh. under a huge aquifer so i was constantly in water <laughs> constantly um so I mean, there's so many different types of springs and, and water and being in the tropics which is obviously you're breathing water everything's so damp and it was very wild like wild weather that part of the world is like every year there's a major hurricane and crazy storms and um yeah it was a, a good good upbringing in those parts of the world yeah and i moved here when i was nine um because my parents separated and um but from the from from a very early age like i remember it very clearly when i was like four four and when I'd come to visit my grandmother in the UK and go for walks with her in the meadows and connect with all the plants out here, um, I had this obsession and a lot of children do this actually. It's just not, it's not just unique to me. I had this obsession that I had to um, extract the juice and the medicine from the plants. Mm. And I had to mix them with water and like squeeze them through sieves and and, but then I had this thing that I had to put them in bottles and like give them to people and say, this is for, and I would say to them very clearly what it was for. <laughs> I was like, this is for this and you need to put, wash your hair with this and bathe in this and do this. And <laughs> uh, wow. So I was seeing that from a very early age, from the age of four. And then, um, so when I came to move to the UK, I, I was not happy with, of, being brought over here from a very free out in nature climbing mango trees like we had a mango farm basically and um coming over here to a very cold country <laughs> yeah and the people and the people are really reserved and cold compared to over here you know over america to, to um florida which is actually very latin and caribbean actually so I was not happy with that choice, <laughs> but um, so I had to like work really hard, it felt, but I wasn't conscious of it in connecting to the land here. I had mm. to really work hard at that. And thankfully, I, I became to warm more to this country, like once I hit my early teens, like 14 years old, thankfully, due to the rave culture, which was um, um, growing and um, flourishing in the 90s <laughs> in the UK and um, with the music and the free parties and all of that out in nature. And, I, you know, that, that kind of warmed my heart to the UK. I'm like, yay, <laughs> as, a, as a young teenager. Um, and then it just um, found myself in stone circles and off on uh, big tours and, and um, visiting springs um, among, amongst those times. And um, but in relation to the plants, I think I made a really strong decision when I was about 15 that this was what I was going to do through quite a hilarious circumstance. So through um, the raving days, um, I realized I couldn't explore in the same ways that my friends were with all the chemicals which were going around. 
because mm. my sister was so sensitive. And like every time I tried something, I like, it was kind of a little bit of like matter of life and death. I like my body was just like, I just couldn't, couldn't hack these drugs which were going around. But I was still determined to rave. And so I'm like, right, open my herb books. <laughs> I'm going to make my own medicines, <laughs> which are not um, going to hurt my body and actually are going to be good for my body. Mm. But um, we're going to like have some good journeys with those herbs. Beautiful. Wow. So good. So you, you took up what you'd started as a little girl, like putting those medicines in bottles and giving them to people and being that little healer in a way weren't you yeah so there's so a, con- a whole continuum throughout your life of um, making medicines yeah so, so it wasn't until I was like 15 I was like you know how teenagers can be so willful I'm like right I'm going to still rave but I'm going to just do it in my way with the plants and the herbs fabulous yeah yeah and I I, I get that I never went to raves I was I was a mom very early so I never got to go to raves and the like but um I just danced and I knew the power of dance I knew it in my body like the body would create its own drug if you like you know the hormonally and all that sort of thing the serotonin all those different levels of chemical levels that go on in the body and any any herbal remedy that can help that and and keep you safe in that as well and nurture your body through that experience is it's, it's fantastic hey we don't need we don't need those mind-altering um no. dance in itself is mind-altering hey completely make something else crazy hey what was your biggest challenge then because you moved over from florida you had to move you say because of your parents um, yeah separation Sorry. was yeah. that you say that was painful for you leaving there but also to your parents separating must have been very difficult for you yeah um i mean i was actually totally at peace of them separating when Mm. i if i'm really honest it was more that i had to leave leave that land right yeah florida i remember that's where i was like really bereft over and like bereft over um leaving my friends of course it's a very important was to do the land in, 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 in culture and friends. But you know, at peace with my, my parents, I can't, you know, kids are so intelligent. On, on a, you knew it had to happen. So where did you end up in England? Where did, that, did you live? Oh, it was really extreme. <laughs> the change. So it's going from Mango Farm to the Midlands to boarding school. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that is tough yeah 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 i grew up in the midlands so I yeah territory i was born in birmingham okay yeah lived in solihull and moved out to worcestershire i know, I know that area i grew up very very rural eventually but to begin with we were right in the thick of birmingham yeah rummy accent though <laughs> yeah 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 so um that's where my so my I went to um live with my grandmother. So she's in she was in a little village at um called Dunchurch, which is near rugby. Okay. Yeah. So very different. And what did your grandmother think of your little medicine ways? Oh she loved it. Yeah. Yeah, she loved that because on that side of the family, so my mum's side, then they were not herbalists, but they're like at least seven generations of doctors. Okay. So she was a midwife, my mother was a midwife. And so all the women were nurses or midwives and all the guys were doctors. So they're all like very caring, you know. So you have a, a, yeah. a medicine ways ancestral lineage. Yeah. Of yeah. So on, my, on, my, on, on that side, they're all like medics. And then on my dad's side, which is the pulvers, herbalists. So um, yeah, my surname is a, a really old name pre-roman so it's german so a lot of the german names are either a, tr- a trade name or a name of place so pulver is a trade name for apothecarian or alchemist okay. to pulverize, so to pulverize is to ground to powder mortar and pestle okay yeah 
so you're running the line of your your ancestors very clearly both both sides in fact yeah 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 wow that that's that, and and you feel that you're the the support of your ancestors as you are creating because you you have a very beautiful creative offering i've seen you at, at festivals and with your oh, oils you. and it, it it's it's very very um rich and vibrant you. what you share so that's that's really good to know that that is something that's inherited and and you're carrying forward so tell us more about the waters the the these wonderful sanctuaries that where the, the springs begin or that you connect to and that you work with healing and mm -hmm. things that I've yeah what what is it about the water I, I I get it that it's connected to you from Florida and you're growing mm -hmm. up um being with the the wetlands and the the whole atmosphere of it but coming to England what have you found here specifically mm. so for 30 years, I, I was living in London um, and um, so I'll just, I mean, I'll just tell you the, the story around that is, um, so growing up in London, I would always leave the city to go and find like different sacred sites and go and find the holy wells, which were marked on the ordnance survey maps. and. In springs but one day um i was uh trying to send like a birthday card to a friend who lived in wilsdon and she was kind of she lived next to church and i instead of asking her for a postcode i looked online to try and find the postcode of this church and it was like a a catholic church in wilsdon and on the website when i found it i saw that there was it said there's a like a spring inside the church and I just had this light bulb moment. I was like, oh, of course there's springs in London. <laughs> and I was like, right, I've got to go and visit that spring. You know, spoke to the priest, you know, he uh, told me loads about the spring, drank from it. And I was like, okay, I've got to, I've got to find the others, you know, find the others in London. And for me, like from living in, you know, London is incredible to visit, but you know, to live there is intense comes with immense intensity. And um, I guess for me at that time in my life of mapping out the springs and visiting them and sort of then seeing all the rivers that they're connected, the underground rivers and how everything is connected um, through the waters in London, it kind of gave me a sense of routine and grounding and, and insanity really, because the water really helps you um feel calm and more connected to your emotional self and um you know water as we know feeds all of life so for me to feel connected very deeply to london's waters it helped me feel very grounded and rooted and safe and um in a way i started to connect to waters in london in a way i've, I've never ever connected to them elsewhere um and, and I can tell you a little bit, a bit about that. So, for example, on, on, on Hampstead Heath, um, you know, you have the, the, the ponds that people swim in. Yeah. You know, the lake. All those ponds are spring fed. And so through me, like, just rooting around in the woods and looking at old maps, I found that the ponds are actually a mixture between two springs. One is red and one is white. So one is iron oxide and one is loam filled spring like you know in Glastonbury we have the red and white springs so on Hampstead there's this place where they actually meet so I found the meeting point of them all before they form a stream and then flow into the ponds but you know through mapping them all out obviously you know these springs on um, Hampstead formed the River Fleet which I'm sure you've heard about and then it's goes through the ponds, goes through the heath, and then it's forced underground, and then flows through the city underground. And it goes down Fleet Street, which once upon a time was called the, the, um, the Road of Wells, because under all of those um, buildings are lots of springs under the churches. 
um, there's a spring under the Royal Courts of Justice. Um, mm. Yeah, there's, there's lots around there and wow. they're not accessible to the public. Um, but through my investigations, I like spoke to various caretakers of those buildings and they're like, yep, there are springs here. Um, and they're, they're still here. <laughs> and um, there is this one spring which the general public do have access, which is connected to the River Fleet, which is starts up on Hampstead Heath as those, as those bubbling springs as a red and white spring. And it's just off the strand and the water is crystal clear. And um, it's called the Roman Bath and just have to ask the National Trust to open it and they open it for people. Right. Wow. So in the way in which I start to connect with Springs in London, for example, is like I knew that the River Fleet flowed in the way that it did and where it started as these two springs as a red and white spring. So I would go there to connect with the waters and at, at the source, knowing that 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 those springs from the river fleet which goes underneath the royal courts of justice so i would pray there for issues of justice mm. for example knowing its trajectory and so start to connect with the waters in that way and then for example there's a there's a spring which goes through hyde park called saint anne's well and it's it's underground but there is a manhole there and if you open it you can see deep down into it and you can see the outline of the bathing um stone pool that that this spring is in so you go into and, high park and you just open up the manhole and have a look down. yeah that? yeah yeah <laughs> I, I, that. That, I, do, I do that so there's this bit where um yeah there's a spring there but i know that that spring is connected to what is called westbourne river okay. which um then flows to the park and then goes down like around Sloan Square and out to the Thames. So even where the, the springs aren't visible, I would stand above them and you could feel the energy when you start to connect water. It's like, you know, electromagnetic energy from the earth. And so standing on top of those areas and making my prayers like you would at various springs if they're visible and you put your hand in them, like, you know, you can stand above them. So it was having that very deep connection to water in a way that I haven't anywhere else because the for the city forced that you know what I mean compared to if you're like out in rural countryside and you know you're at a spring or a stream yeah mm. well and and you've done some work I know you've done some work here in Hastings itself where there's a spring in St Helens woods yeah. and there's been some damage there because of people trying mm -hmm. to construct or reconstruct or I can, yeah I can tell you about that if you want tell us about that because I think it's a really interesting tale yeah so how I came to this area St Helens woods I, I literally live on the edge of it was really due to Mark Golding. Do you know the artist Mark Golding? Yes. Yes. So he uncovered St. Helen's Spring. Okay. Do you do you know about that? Well, do do tell us, because I, I, I might know some things, but I think our listeners would really like to hear this story. Oh, okay. And they'd like to hear it from you. <laughs> oh, sure. All right. So where do we start? Okay, so I'll just tell it in the way that it wishes to come and how I came to find this spring. And then I can tell a bit about the story of how it was uncovered. Yeah. So it was actually, I think it was 2012 and it was summer solstice and I found myself inside Stonehenge. <laughs> I wasn't meaning to go there, but I was, we just ended up there with friends. And this is the first time I had been inside Stonehenge for the summer solstice sunrise. And um, there's this place inside Stonehenge um, where this morning summer solstice sunrise, if the, if the sky is clear, and the sunrise hits this stone called the Hell Stone. So that's spelled H-E-L, or some people call it the Heel Stone. 
So when the sunlight hits that stone, it slowly forms a, um, a shadow from the stone, which snakes its way into the inner chamber of Stonehenge and like pierces the um, altar stone in the middle and then snakes back. So it's really like this fertility right between the sun and the shadow and the stones. And so I was, I was guided to pray there. So that's the place to make your prayers on the summer solstice. So I, I found myself at this stone and, I, and my prayer that day was to connect even more deeply to the waters of the UK. So that's, that's the prayer that came through in that moment. And, and then that day I was, when I got home, I, I was just looking online on Facebook and um, there's a community in Lewis called Zoo which I know you know about in part of Zoo Studios. So I was on Zoo Studios Facebook group and I saw suddenly this, this picture of this beautiful spring posted online by this man called Mark Golding. And I was like, oh, there we go. That my, my prayer's been answered. <laughs> that it just came to me that I felt this spring was very important. And um, I immediately contacted Mark. I was like, wow, this spring, you know, I'd love to visit it one day. And so he gave me a little map that he'd hand drawn and it's like the most beautiful, like treasure map. And he said, here's the map. Um, enjoy look, finding it. Um, and, um, and because I lived in London, it took me like six, six months to, uh, to uh, leave London as it, as it can do. It's like a bit of a vortex. You get stuck there. And then I remember it was on my birthday and that year it was on 12, 12, 12. Um, and I'm like, okay, this is a one in a lifetime, <laughs> um, 12, 12, 12 birthday. Um, I'm going to go and visit that spring and have a bathe in it. And so um, went down there in December and yeah, had a really, a really uh, just, I couldn't really put my, put my words into it. Um, profound moment bathing in that spring. And when I really connected to the waters, I felt this, the waters was filled with this really um, profound light. And that's all I can put it into words, like this light, I just felt this light. And um, from that moment of having that bathe for the next nine months of my life, my life radically changed. <laughs> like everything changed. And I wasn't asking for it, just everything started to change. Um, but I soon came to understand about that site and about St. Helen. So the predecessor goddess to St. Helen, which a lot of these saints have predecessors, is a goddess called Ellen, L-E-E-N. And any word with E-L in it, so Ellen or Elf or Angel, or even all the like Archangel words, all have E-L in it, like Raphael, Michael, Uriel, is a really ancient word or name. And E-L means primordial light, basically means God. And the name Ellen means shining light. And so I was picking that up without knowing anything about her namesake, even Helen. It all has E-L in it. And so in the, in the months after bathing in that spring, this, all these synchronicities around this goddess kept on peering up, emerging, and understanding that people would like call upon her, like she's a sovereignty goddess, um, one of the real ancient ones of the British Isles. Um, people would call upon her to shine a light on their pathway if they were lost in the woods or lost in their lives, but also an inner light to shine a, a path on your inner trackways. Mm. So once I started to connect more with her, I really started to connect more with um, pilgrimage. And um, pilgrimage is a very part of my life as well. And um, something that I regular host for people as well. So she became a deep guide. Um, but in relation to how this spring was found, I will tell you the story um, which obviously Mark told me of how he found it because it's very, very, uh, wow, an incredible story. 
So he was living down in Hastings, um, probably like 2010. And 2011 is when he found the spring. And he was going through a, a huge dark night of the soul, like lots of change in his life. And at that time, his son was very ill, like life and death illness. And um, was out in Thailand traveling and the kind of illness where the doctors didn't know what was going on, his lungs had collapsed. And as a father, he felt very helpless in knowing what he could do. Like there was, he felt, if the doctors didn't know what to do, he was like, wow, gosh, what can I do? So one day when he was in the woods, he, he decided to take um, that prayer to the woods really and say, I'm here in service to you. And when I say woods to St. Helen's woods where um, where he was walking in every day, he said to the words, um, how can I be of service to you? How can I assist you? I will do whatever you wish. And in, in return, please, can you help heal my son? That, that, that's what his prayer was. And he would take that like prayer to the waters. He found that um, in his deep grief and breathness and loss, that he would just find himself playing in the waterways and in the springs and the rivers and unblocking their flow. Like if there were logs in its pathways, he'd get in there and dig them out. And, and he felt um, this ease within himself every time he helped unblock the flow of the, of the waterways there, that something would ease within his body, like what is within is without. And so one day he was in the old town of, of Hastings in one of the um, antique shops and came across a really old map of Hastings and in there was St. Helen's Woods. And you could see on the map, there was this, there was this mark of a spring, holy well. And he'd heard about something called the, the lost spring of St. Helen, you know, he'd heard about it. And he's like, oh, maybe that's the lost spring marker of where this, this St. Helen's spring was. So he decided that he was gonna do his best to try and find this lost spring. And he came to this very um, tangled part of the woods and like very swampy um, bit of it. And he was like, had this sense that the spring could be there, but it was like really thick, thick swamp. <laughs> um, and then for a few weeks, it was just him and his shovel just digging away and like just listening to the water and watching the water like trickle through this like thick sludgy swamp. And as he was doing it, his prayer was, his prayer was for the water of, I'm gonna help release you. So in releasing the water to feed the forest, his prayer was, can you help release my son's lungs help them to to flow help them to expand back into life so that was his prayer really as he was digging out the swamp that hopefully the the forces of nature would help his um, son's lungs to come back to life and one day he did hit um a lot of stone and then the stone as he dug it out was this what looked like a very ancient bathing pool in a, in a beautiful circle and um, it was like totally unexpected that you would ever hit something so profoundly beautiful as that and apparently very old it looked very very old and he could see the whole structure of it and the, the place where the water would come out but there was no water but he, you know, just listening to the place, just reached his hand deep down inside this, this passage where the water would have been coming out. I could see it was really just blocked up with all of these stones. Some blocked it up and yeah, surely enough, the water came gushing out. And um, the, the long lost spring of St. Helens was found again after being under this swamp for so long. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, and his son did get better. <laughs> That's what we wanted to hear. <laughs> did his <laughs> son is very well and got a, a beautiful family. Isn't that amazing? And this this well it now is 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 thriving. Hey? Yes, it is thriving, and and so since I bathed in that spring. It was my place to kind of go to from London. It was like my temple to kind of escape to bathe in, sort of um, get aligned. And yeah. so I'd come down here for like last 10 years to do that on a regular basis. So really like formed a beautiful relationship with that spring and in woods. And then it was through lockdown, um, I found myself living down here. And um, yes. And where I where my cabin is in the woods, like directly in front of me, is a, is a beautiful stream, and those waters come from other springs and mm. Saint Helen's woods. I feel I feel very wrapped around yeah. by the water. Lovely. Uh, and so throughout England, do you think there are other wells that are blocked that need relief, oh, yeah. and that there's work to be done around all of that? So much. Yeah. 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 So much. I think the main thing is just if you're really into waters and springs just get out an ordinance survey map and they they have it marked spr that means spring okay Guys, find them and see what's there mm. so what's your next project or mission what's on the cards for you now at the moment it's very seasonal so at the moment we're moving into where the height of mistletoe mm. um it's it comes into its height of potency that's what i mean and so i'll be working with people to harvest the mistletoe make medicines from it again it's like one of these very forgotten incredibly sacred plants that we have <laughs> it's not just about kissing underneath it at christmas eh? no. <laughs> and what do we use mistletoe for um so it was one of those plants which was so sacred that it could not be named. Mm. Um, and so in Scots Gaelic, one of the names for it um, translates as all heal. And honestly, it can work to help so many ailments. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be able to list them all off, but in essence, they are just Mistletoe is incredibly good for the immune system. It's used in cancer treatment, something called mistletoe therapy. It's been used in Germany for a very long time, and there's some places in the UK which start to offer it now. It's very beautiful for that. But also I find it really incredible for trauma. Mm -hmm. So I, when I make medicines from it, I make hydro, a, a hydrosol, which is a distillation. So, you know, people probably come into contact with something like rose water. So I make a, a mistletoe water through the distillation and it. it has the micro particles of the essential oil and then the cellular waters. But when I make a, a mistletoe hydrosol and you just only need one drop, it has such a profound, um, has, it gives such an amazing um, experience to the nervous system. It, it, it just is so profoundly relaxing. I just call it my bliss drops. It's so blissful. It um, boosts oxytocin in the body. So you just feel so safe and so nurtured and that you can just let go. So I find it really good for trauma, mm. um, any sort of anxiety and depression. And um, it's good for the cardiovascular system. It's good for really, intense neurological conditions like epilepsy, um, antiviral, antibacterial, it's good for UTIs. Like, honestly, I can just like breathe yeah, off so sounds, sounds amazing. I mean, yeah, yeah we, 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 we don't value what we have around us very easily, do we? We're so quick to go to the chemist shop and, and so encouraged to go to the chemists to buy a yeah. of this, that and the other when actually the medicine is all there. So people can actually come to you for yeah. medicines, can't they? they? You you have a 
a page we'll we'll give a, a link here in uh, in with this podcast that people can connect with you through and have a chat with you maybe about anything yes. they need yeah that would be really fantastic and is it and yeah tell I mean what is your sole purpose do you feel put in a nutshell sole purpose help inspire people to reconnect to themselves and into nature mm, beautiful man so is there any anything in particular a, a message you have for people right now that you'd like to leave this podcast with to listen to the wisdom of the body you know all the all, all our answers are inside ourselves nice. it's not outside <laughs> it's inside <laughs> and to reach out of course and ask for help where they need it and to exactly talk to people like you who've got that extra wisdom and lineage of ancestral stuff that you can bring to the table and so much knowledge so much knowledge about our environments that uh, might be really supportive to people hey sure that's wonderful thank you so much charlotte pleasure caroline the lovely lovely conversation and uh, i'm going to immerse myself in in the spring at st helen's woods where it's a bit cold at the moment but i i I will visit there very soon. I love taking my dogs there. And um, yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful woods. If anybody hasn't visited Hastings Woods, they are quite special. Yeah. So, yeah. But thank you very much for sharing your medicine with us. Oh, thank you, Caroline, for the invitation to have a good chat. Thank you so much for listening right to the end. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And remember, you can be in touch with myself or this speaker. My website is middleearthmedicine.com. We have a wonderful membership platform that you can join for just £5 a month. And we have lots of recordings and interesting information that we can share with you there, plus meeting online with regular groups. You can also find the details of our speaker in the box below with their links, their websites, and a little bit of information about them. Thank you for joining me and being part of this Middle Earth Medicine community. I hope you'll listen to our next show. Please follow, share, like, whatever you can do to help this community to grow. We really appreciate you. Thank you.